This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This is the Art of Wrestling with professional wrestler Colt Cabana. All right. How you doing? Come on in. Sit down. Relax. You're about to listen to the Art of Wrestling, a professional wrestling podcast. It's a life podcast. It's a personal journal. It's an extra way. It's the minds, the souls, the hearts, and the lives of the people involved in the world of professional wrestling. I am your host. My name is Colt Cabana. I am a podcaster. I am an actor. I am a dog owner. I am a fringe performer. Most importantly, though, I am a professional wrestler, and I am coming to you live from my studio apartment in Chicago, Illinois. Before I go any further, this is a fan support and listener supported podcast supported by people just like you. We give it to you on whenever it comes out on a Thursday. The best way that you can support, rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. Tell a friend, tweet it out, spread the word, coltmerch.com. T-shirts, buttons, pictures, posters, DVDs, and so much more. The best way to support, though, over on my Patreon. Every single episode, including this one, ad-free, and the almost 500 episodes on the archives. Every month, two bonus episodes of Wrestling Anonymous. Last month, Chris Cubis joined me. This month, Ian Riccoboni joins me. We listen to calls, we put our two cents in, and we have a good time. That and so much more, a great way to support, patreon.com slash coldcabana. I'm back with two episodes for August. These all happened at the National Wrestling Hall of Fame show that happens every single year in Waterloo, Iowa. We did a live show, which I will put on next week, but this week it was important to me to have Joe Malenko on the show. Brother of Dean Malenko, Joe Malenko, son of the great Malenko. Perfect timing as I head to the gathering of the Juggalos this week. But Joe Malenko is his own person. And I met him last year at the National Wrestling Hall of Fame, and he was so nice, very personal, just like his brother. And I knew I was coming to the show. I knew he was coming to the show. Seemed like a guy who wouldn't mind talking about the past of wrestling. Seemed to really love wrestling. Has such a history in professional wrestling. And I don't think a lot of people ever kind of sit down and ask his story. So here I am, a throwback to the art of wrestling's where I would grab the ones where we want to know their story. We talked to them, and that is Joe Malenko. I was curious about his path as a Malenko brother and, of course, of his father. So we get into it. Very fun to sit back down and talk with wrestlers. And Joe was a pleasure. We will get to that. But I do want to make an announcement. I am headed back to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. And if you are in Scotland or near Scotland, August 19th to the 21st, we are just doing three days, myself and John Hastings, where we watch bad wrestling and do comedy and commentary to it. Tinyurl.com slash Wrestling for tickets. They're just $10. 
The Fringe is a favorite activity of mine for so many years now. I didn't think it was going to happen, but luckily work is sending me to Germany. So I was able to sneak in a little trip to Edinburgh and we are going to do some Fringe shows. As for me, this is usually the part where I describe my tales every single week. We haven't done an art of wrestling for a couple of months. I haven't really wrestled for a couple of months. I think last time I was like, I haven't really wrestled. But now, starting to get back into it a little bit. Open the Ring of Honor Death Before Dishonor show. Me and Anthony Henry. Anthony Henry, a hell of a professional wrestler. Hope he gets more of a shot. Him and JD. I wrestled in Lowell, Massachusetts. I wrestled at this show with Joe Malenko in Waterloo, Iowa. The show that I wrestle at every single year. I'm going to be wrestling at the Gathering of the Juggalos. I'm going to be wrestling in the Mall of America for first wrestling. I'm going to be wrestling in Mesa, Arizona, trying to get back on some kind of wrestling schedule, but also very, very grateful that at my age, 42 years old, I'm able to slow down a little bit. I was given that time off through COVID and then through a reshuffling of my professional contract. And it gives me an opportunity to understand who I am as a person, where I don't have to be so super focused on professional wrestling. Gives me an opportunity to work more here on the computer, with my Twitch, trying to grow my Patreon, maybe trying to grow some projects where I don't have to constantly travel all over the world every single week. But then I remember that I'm going to be doing one PW in Doncaster in October. I'm doing Scott. I'm doing the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. I'm going to Germany. I got booked for Qatar. So as I'm grateful for the slowing down, I don't know. It always seems to speed up. But I will never complain because I do know that there are some people who would love to have the opportunity to do what I have done and what I am doing. And I will for always be grateful. That's the point of this podcast. That's the point of this listen. It's the point of having someone like Joe Malenko on the show. We all have our stories. We all have our rich history. And we're going to get into it with Joe Malenko in just a second. Before we get into it, though, today's podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. And this catchphrase is actually what they want me to say. Here we go. If you haven't heard, it's smooth sack summer. Yep, that was on the paper. Manscaped is the leader in below the belt grooming, and they want you to have a ball this summer. Oh my God. Dive headfirst into smooth sex summer by going to Manscaped for 20% off and free shipping with the code Colt. Okay, as a wrestler, I feel I was taught to Manscaped maybe at an earlier stage in my life than many. Here's how to fall, here's how to do a promo, here's how to take away all of your body hair in that order. But for once, wrestling was before the times, and now manscaping is an important part of grooming. Manscaped sent me their Performance Package 4.0, and I use it. I use the ball deodorant. Your armpits stink. You use deodorant. You don't think your ball crevices don't stink? They do. It's the perfect tag team partner for your sack. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code COLT at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code COLT at manscaped.com. And make sure you have, say with me, a smooth sack summer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. 
With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation? Where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know, most most Sunday mornings we'd have bagels, and then there was a little uh, deli across the street. So he'd go he'd go get lox, he'd go get herring, uh, gefilte fish. Actually, my grandmother made gefilte fish, some of the best she ever had. If mm-hmm. you happen to like gefilte fish, but she's not here any longer, so. He, can't get my grandmother's gefilte fish any longer. Did you pass um, on the recipe? No. Would no. you have? Would you even make it anymore? No, you can't. <laughs> I wouldn't even know where to start. Right. I would just. I just end up throwing a fish in a blender somewhere. Yeah. Do you cook? Yeah. No. Right. Like no. My grand. No. Of course, my grandma did. I don't. I don't, like. I don't cook. Yeah. Do no, we? Do us Jewish men not take that on? Or um, I don't. You know, it's funny that you. I do like to cook. I just don't take the time. So maybe that's a wrestler's thing. Of pure uh, laziness. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> well, you're, you're, you're on the road. I mean, the most we did in Japan is we grabbed the the uh, ramen soup canisters and put a little water in there and heat them up in the room. But yeah, yeah, just short of that, you're eating out all the time. Well, uh, I, okay, I appreciate you coming on and talking to me. Have you done any things, things like this before? Uh, once or twice. Once or twice, yeah. yeah. So I... I think that's why I think I, I'm curious. I think a lot of people are curious. Uh, I guess there's like a couple things I'm kind of interested in. Otherwise, it's just bullshitting. Um, I think, you know, I, I'm important. I'm interested in like hearing kind of like your father's side or your father's story through your lens. And then obviously like getting, you know, getting into wrestling and your wrestling aspect and all that stuff. Yeah, hey, it was my life. <laughs> right. uh, and before we get going, I got a my dad's song was bagels, bagels, two for five. That's what keeps us Jews alive. Now. Probably nowadays, politically insensitive, and people would scream and holler. But he sang that when I was a little kid. Well, and then and then he'd go get bagels. I mean, he wouldn't just sing me the song and say, "Okay, you're on your own." He sang me the song, and then he gave me a bagel. Yes, like okay. And you ate that way for the next twenty five years. Yeah. Well, uh, my story was so bagels, bagels, two for five. You can get two bagels for five cents, which is crazy because I was thinking like five bucks for two bagels. No, 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 no. Well, because um, in Irvington, New Jersey. So where we where we were, my grandfather was across the street. He had a he had a tailor shop because, you know, the Jews came over to the United States and a lot of them did certain things and a lot of them besides you know besides taking over the movie industry and some other things they uh, became tailors mm-hmm. and um, the cobblers you know shoe shoe people. Actually, his brother went down to Argentina and became a cobbler. They were my grandfather was across the street from us. If you go down his street, there was a synagogue, the shul, and just across the street from that was a was an actual bagel factory. It wasn't it wasn't like an Einstein bagel? It was a bagel right. factory. 
and they made thousands and thousands. And so you could just head on over to <laughs> head on over, grab a couple, and they were hot. They're right off the yeah. right off the Bagel Express. The and, best, right? Uh, it's nothing like it. Boy, <laughs> what was your bagel of preference? Mine, egg bagel. I mean, I like. So I'm a pretty regular plain bagel guy. I'm not a. I'm 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 like a purist when it comes to certain things. Um, the only other thing was salt bagels. I love salt bagels. Gotcha. So you like your bagels like you like your wrestling. Plain, boring. As hell. <laughs> yes. well, I was gonna say pure, yeah. but geez. pure, boring, <laughs> right. and plain. Uh, so New Jersey is where you grew up. Yeah, that's what I assume. Hearing that. And it's interesting that you say that your dad would go and get you bagels every morning, just like my dad did. Uh, but my dad wasn't known as a legendary professional wrestler. Well, in our, I mean, in our neighborhood, I'm trying to think back as, you know, obviously we're talking 60 years ago. Yeah, but I'm thinking of like just thinking of, I guess, wrestlers are on the road all the time. That's what I think when I think of a son of a wrestler. Oh, he was. Yeah. He was. So, I mean, when I say he went to get bagels, it, it wasn't every day. Okay. But when he was in town, and especially on Sundays, Sundays was when he got bagels and then he got other stuff from the deli across the street. Because that was like a, you know, the special thing. Yeah. You got whitefish. Oh, whitefish was the other thing. Whitefish, herring. Um, my dad loved borscht. He is a big borscht guy. Yeah. I can never... I can never really acquire a taste for beet juice. No, I'm not into it. Yeah. I didn't even know what that was. No, yeah. 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 Uh, so your dad, Boris Malenko. Um, well, that was part of his name. Okay. Go his, on. His full moniker was the great professor Boris Maximilianovich Malenko. And would he stress that to you? No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> Just to get the record straight. Just to get the record straight. Yeah, okay. Yeah. You, I mean, your grandfather, you said right away, was... So was, was your grandfather in... Was he... I'm guessing he wasn't in the wrestling industry. Wasn't even a sports guy. Interesting. Yeah. He was just a he was just a small guy who could sew a whole suit from scratch. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing tailor, but not a sports guy. And then your so your father just picked up wrestling. Do you know like I don't know how much you have talked with your dad or know all these ins and outs of him. You know, I mean, the sad thing about all of us, um, or at least most of us. Growing up, you don't you don't really sit and say, "Hey, pop," because my dad was pop. I mean, he was pop. Um, you know, hey, pop, you know, tell me about your life before I came around and you know ruined everything. <laughs> <laughs> and is there like is is there much on record about him that you've like si since when did he pass? Uh, ninety four. So since ninety four, have you like ever gone and start like research stuff or since the internet became prevalent the only thing the only thing that i ever researched well i didn't research my daughter did um so i was telling telling you previously uh you know i have my grandfather was a tailor and he had a tailor shop and he had a he actually owned the building and in the building was a pest control place and he had the tailor shop on the ground floor and then if you go up his stairs to the second floor he had an apartment and then there were two apartments above that so he had he owned a building there were three apartments there was a tailor shop and i mean i could still smell that place to the day not it wasn't a bad smell it's just a, the smells of a tailor shop you mm. know the 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 cleaning materials and and he had this big steam press and stuff like that well when he came and he did that when he came from europe and he did that he came through and they changed his name to simon so our name was legally simon it's always been that but i knew that it really wasn't before he got to the States. Now, he had a brother, and his brother went down to Buenos Aires. They never saw each other again in you know, 60 years. From the time that they split up, coming over from Europe, they never saw each other again. So I never really knew what our full, our real last name was. Carl Gotch gave me the name Joe Sorkoff when I went to, which 
kind of a funny name. Um, <laughs> rather than Jerkoff. Yeah. Uh, Joe Sarkoff when I went to Japan. So I thought, okay, maybe it's Sarkoff. And I don't remember why I even thought that he would give me a name and it would be the correct name of my grandfather as he came to the States. That's so funny. So my, my daughter, my younger daughter, she researched it, Ellis Island stuff, and she found that it was Sirkin, S-I-R-K-I-N. It was, it was it was seen in the records. She had the records of him you know, arriving on Ellis Island, the change in the name from Sirkin to Simon. And so now if I wanted to do, I could check out Buenos Aires and probably find a whole side of my family down there. Wait, but Carl Gotch kind of got that close. He did get it pretty close, and maybe think- he did, and maybe he did that because my dad. I, I don't think my dad knew what. Well, I can't say I don't think. I never heard my dad say, "Here was your last name before it was changed to Simon." Yeah. So I would think that my dad knew, and maybe my dad said something to Carl, and he just said, "Okay, Sarkov." Right, so, or maybe that's that's what he remembered in his maybe head. That's what he remembered. Yeah. Who the hell knows? Were they buddy? Were they buddies? Carl and my dad were very close friends. Yeah. 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 When, when Carl came into the States, he came into Minneapolis first through God and his territory. And my dad was up there, and nobody wanted to, nobody wanted to bother with Carl for a number of reasons. <laughs> he, was a, he was a bit of a contrarian. At that point, my dad walked up to him in the dressing room and said something to the effect, which is kind of strange because Carl's 10 years older than my dad, or was 10 years older than my dad. Um, my dad came up to Carl and said, hey, kid, <laughs> you know, you want to go grab a bite to eat? It was after the matches. And from that moment on, Carl took a liking to my father because he was the only guy who extended his hand and said, hey, you know, let's go talk. So from that, from that point, they were great friends for most of their life. Kind of fell apart a little bit last few years um, for a couple of reasons, but then we uh, regathered their steam as friendship right before my dad died. Actually. Yeah, because when I think of, I mean, so people of my generation, I guess, like I think of the Gotches and the Malinkos, I think of like Florida, like both of them training people probably in like in their backyards. Like, you you know, I think there's something like Minoru Suzuki doing like squats with Carl Gotch watching him in the other Japanese lads. And then, you know, you, you hear the stories of like the Malenko camp in Florida. So yeah, it was all, I mean, it was all one big happy family, although it was separated at some level. Um, Carl's, you know, Carl's training and the submission style stuff that he did, which was you know, the precursor to MMA as we know it today. He had a lot of Japanese guys coming over to the States and they would go to, they, you know, I would, they would, a couple other guys here in the States, we'd all go out to his house and we trained at his house. In fact, there were many days that I lived out there in the back room. That was one thing, but then we also had our wrestling school, Malenko Wrestling School, and a lot of guys came there to learn pro. Some of the guys that came there to learn pro also wanted to learn to shoot. So, you know, shoot fighting so we called it shoot and mm-hmm. they would get on the mat and they you know they wanted to go through what it took to become a submission wrestler and you know they would do a little bit of that and a couple guys even went overseas as part of um uwf UW, yeah, yeah uwf and uwfi at the time fujiwara gumi yeah um kane glenn jacobs yeah he he uh was over there shoot fighting uh he went over there and did well you know these were worked yeah um yeah, yeah. a lot of them were worked fights but yeah he went over there once um, so, like, help me with that timeline then, because in my head, if the if the Malenko school was in Florida, but you grew up in Jersey, so did you move down to Florida at a young age? Yeah, I moved down. We moved down. It wasn't just me because yeah. I was I was a kid. I was twelve or so. Okay. Um, we moved down in '68. Hey, the shows are ad free over on Patreon, but let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. 
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So we came down the first time in 62, 63. Things get a little fuzzy after a sure. few years on the <laughs> earth. Um, 62, 63, we came down the first time. That's the first time I ever met Gotch. Um, As a 12-year-old. Oh, no, you, you were younger than that. I was, yeah, at 62, 63, so I would have been... So I was born in 56, so I would have been six, seven years old. Do you have, mem- like, vivid... like not Oh, vivid, hell yeah. Memories yeah, of, I like, was scared to death of him. Yeah, it's a bit, right? I was scared to death of him. I okay. mean, he was a... He was a... He was just a big, bony, scary... Some bitch. And what would you what would you call him, sir? <laughs> Not like Grandpa <laughs> Gotch. Mr. Mr. No, I never had Grandpa Gotch. Yeah. No. Okay. <laughs> no. Yeah. I mean, I called him. I think I called him Carl when I was a young kid, even. Mm. And, and uh, so that was sixty two, sixty three. We lived on Clearwater Beach for a little bit. Then we then we went from there. and We traveled more. We ended up in San Francisco. We ended up out in Ohio. Uh, no, Omaha, Nebraska, St. Joe, Missouri. We were in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, we eventually made our way back to Tampa, and we ended up back in Tampa in 68, 69. And the rationale, the you know, reason for that, the you know, rationale in my, my dad's eyes was, I need to I need to get someplace and settle in because my kids need to stop being gypsies mm. and, um, you know, be in an A school and stay there and get to know the kids. And, yeah, well, so, so the family was in Jersey, but you were a traveling family then. And by family, oh, yeah. I mean your grandpa. No, my, my grandfather stayed put. My grandfather never but traveled. that's what I'm saying. So, like, there... You were there just like to have those memories, but for the most part, you were you were flying around. Yeah, we were on. Well, you didn't fly. I mean, I, very rarely. I we, didn't mean in the actual we, sense. Yeah, of we it. drove. We we yeah. You were driving around. Yeah, we drove everywhere. Okay, and who, like, who for twenty four hours straight, forty eight hours straight, um, and and you know it's that typical thing. You got to sit, look back at those days, and you got to laugh because the place that I the place that I resided in the car was that back ledge under the rear window yeah and i would lay out there it was nice and toasty especially if you were driving in the wintertime it's nice and toasty because you got the sun coming through you didn't have a seat belt yeah. you, didn't, you didn't have any, i mean you were laid out as a little kid you you were a, i mean if if my dad stopped short i was a projectile yeah <laughs> i was gonna hit two cars in front of us i mean and i was thinking there's no internet obviously no. so 
and you're driving 48 hours. What do you just uh, uh, being the crap out of your brother? He's being, you know, he's he's annoying you. You're being the crap what, out of him. Your mom and dad are yelling time? at you. Your dad puts you out of the car. Your mom says, "Labor, you can't leave him here in the middle of Ohio. Yeah. You got to let him back in the car." <laughs> wow, is it comic books or anything, or just there should have been? It was a comic book. <laughs> yeah, fair yeah. enough. <laughs> my, my mom, my mom, my mom was a chain smoker. Okay. I mean, she would just smoke and smoke and smoke. So we'd be in the car. And, you know, sometimes, I mean, it'd be dead of winter. You know, she'd have the window cracked maybe just a little bit, but it barely did anything. I'm surprised. You know, I've, I've got so much secondhand right. smoke in me, God knows. And is it just you and your brother? Yeah. 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 And, and did that he, other guy who wrestles. Yeah, yeah. Did either of you pick up smoking? Or I guess uh, I don't want to speak. You can't no. speak for him. No. And sometimes that's the thing. is like, Jesus, like, Mom smokes, it's no. so gross. Or no. Mom smokes, I'm going to start smoking. Right? No, I hated it. Yeah, of course. I hated it. So you're... Your dad's lifestyle was constantly wrestling, and were you constantly going to the wrestling shows? And like, I don't know, like an overall, like, how did you feel about it? Were you, like looking back on it, like, were you happy with how that maybe those first twelve years kind of worked, or or do you have, do you have any kind of feelings of like maybe that wasn't the lifestyle for for us, or a father shouldn't be doing that? I don't know if the and, stuff and you the, thought and about. And the answer is see all of the above. Oh, yeah, yeah, because you know there were those moments, man, where you're. I've, I've, there's not much that I can say today that I haven't said before, at least at some point in my life, to somebody. And, and I would always talk about the fact that, you know, I, I, was, I was a kid in the early 60s, and I'm sitting in Madison Square Garden, and it's my dad, and it's Wahoo McDaniels, and Bobo Brazil, and Bruno San Martino, and um, you know, Pedro Morales a little bit later. I mean, you, you, you know, the, the stalwarts of wrestling history in, in the um, Northeast, you know, these, these are legendary. Mark, Mark, San Martino was a god in his day, right? So you're this little kid, and you're around all these people, and and I always, you know, I always laugh about the fact that, and I, another story I tell all the time is, you know, here I live in this little place in Irvington, New Jersey, you know, small house because I looked at it the other day on Google Maps and I went, oh my God, how are we even live? Really, that's yeah, it's funny. pretty funny looking. Yeah, and uh, you know, we used to have we used to have the Kentuckians come over, so um, you know, Jake's dad, Jake the Snake's dad, and uh, Sam Houston, yeah. So their dad was one of the Kentuckians. And then, you know, so one day we'd have the Kentuckians show up. So these guys are 6'10", 6'9". And then the next day we'd have Lord Littlebrook or Sky Lolo, you know, three foot two. <laughs> so you were one of those houses that had like a revolving door of wrestlers. Oh, all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think it was because there was a sense of family in your household? Um, I don't know if it was that. Look, my dad loved the business. Okay. So that was, you know, that was his... That was his woman. <laughs> it was was the business. Mm -hmm. So as much as he could, he wanted to be around the boys. He really didn't like being around too many other people. There, my, and it wasn't that he was a jerk or anything. He just he just he hung in the business to which he, you know, put forth all his effort because it was easier for him. And you got to remember back in those days, you know, the days of kayfabe, which we would have never said twenty years ago. Mm -hmm. um, you just want to. You just wanted to hang by yours. You didn't want to have to deal with, you know, being grilled about the business. So Ex you, I was gonna say explaining, yeah, right? You just didn't want to deal with it. Yeah. You know? So you, you just stayed with the boys. You know? uh, I, mean, I don't remember really having. I remember my mom having other friends besides people in the business, but I really don't remember my dad having. Maybe a couple through the years. Yeah. Later on in his life, as he got much older, yeah, he had friends who weren't pros. But uh, dry sense of humor. Um. Eh. Really? <laughs> he he was a he was a very funny man. Okay. He was he was he was a he was very strong with you know that whole self-deprecating kind of thing. 
Um, yeah, he would say things and be off base on purpose, and my mom would be hysterical laughing. <laughs> was she your number one? Was she his number? His number one? Um, Comedy yeah, fan for about, for about two days out of forty years, okay. she was his number one fan. <laughs> the rest of the time, not so much. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, <laughs> you, so you went to all these shows. Yeah. Uh, were you like this little kid, like running around, everyone playing with you, or were you into it? Maybe you know. I don't want you to speak for your brother, but were you were you both into it? Was yeah, because I was. So I'm four years older than my brother, and that's not you know that's not significant, but. Especially in those earlier days, I was a guy. You know, I was a kid running around more and more interactive. My kid, my brother was a small child, mm -hmm. um, so I got to know, you know the old timers. I was more out and about than my brother was, um, but it wasn't. It wasn't just. I mean, a lot of times I would just sit there and sit there next to my mom and watch the matches. You know, mm -hmm. we'd be in the back and watch the matches. In fact, one, <laughs> one, uh, you know, and this happened a few times because I was. I still. You know, you can be told certain things as a small child, but you still don't grasp it fully. And I, I remember there was one house show. It was a small town somewhere out in the wherever the Midwest or something. And uh, my dad hits a guy, and guy goes out of the room. My dad was a heel. Guy hits my dad hits a guy. And now ref is in the middle arguing with my dad, and the guy goes under the ring, comes comes through the under the ring, comes back up the other side of the ring. My dad's standing looking. I'm a little kid. I'm dad. Watch out, dad. <laughs> My mom, my mom, my mom almost threw me under the chair. <laughs> She's yeah. like, "Shut up!" Boom, because <laughs> I, yeah, that's my dad, man. This yeah, guy's sneaking up on my father. Of course, you son of a. Did he give? Did he ever give you a sit down and be like, "You gotta boo me"? Would um, you say you gotta boo me? <laughs> <laughs> nah, not really. Nah. And then uh, any other any guys that like, like looking back, the fond memories of someone being like, uh, not like a big brother, but. I don't know. There's a special place in my heart for like the wrestler that always goes over the kids and makes friends with them. I had a lot of I had a lot of second dads, um, and not to take anything away from my father, because he's he's he was my pop. Mm -hmm. But I had a lot of I had a lot of guys who really stepped up and were really great with me. Don Curtis was one. I didn't spend a lot of time around Don, but he was just a phenomenal man. Um, in fact, I just talked to his wife Dottie half an hour ago. Uh, Eduardo Perez. Who wrestled in the? Uh, he was from Buenos Aires. He wrestled in Florida for a long time. He's from Kansas City originally. Then, well, through Buenos Aires to Kansas City, back down to Florida. Um, he was like he was like a dad, you know. Um, Jacob Groby, uh, Hans Mortier at the time. So I had I had a half a dozen I had a half a dozen pro wrestling fathers mm -hmm. who watched out for me and took care of me. And in fact, I was just down at the uh, at the Tragos Thez museum here in waterloo and they had a thing about abe jacobs who wrestled with don curtis as a tag team abe was a new zealander um i think he's still around he's got to be in his he's got to be in his late 80s maybe. is that right he's still around i think so i don't wow. i don't you know, i think he's still with us but abe uh you know before i so in 70 uh, 78 or 77 right before the summer of 78 i guess I was up in Charlotte, and Abe worked with me to get me ready to go down to Mexico City because I was going to go down there and work for Flores at the time for that summer. Uh, so this would have been seventy, summer of '78, and um, yeah, just guys did that. You know, they they kind of you know if you were if you were a son of one of the guys in the business, especially my dad because he pretty well thought of. Um, yeah, you know, they just all they just all kind of took care of me. Um, 
I mean, that it's obviously, a good place to be. That obviously makes me think. I think of Abe Jacobs. I think of your father. I think of me as a Jewish wrestler. And then is, is that so? Is that stuff that both you, you know, or your father? Is that stuff that was talked about? Was would you? Was Abe like? I feel like Abe Jacobs is like probably one of the more famous ones. As is your father, right? So I, I don't know if that was like in the atmosphere at, at that time. I guess any time. And it's you know. You mean the you mean the being Jewish the Jewish side of this? Yeah. Thing? And, um, did, was, did he, you know, did he the feel bad it? stuff was talked about, the bad, not the good stuff. Okay. The bad stuff, the anti-Semitism that existed, and it, and it was strong, you know. And it you, was, it was strong. It was strong with me as a kid when I lived in Jersey. Okay. And it was strong with my dad when he was trying to make it in the business. And even when he succeeded, there were a lot of you know there were a lot of issues of being a being a Jew. Would he come home and talk about it, or would you see it well, at the he, matches? He, or? You know, I, I mean, I I experienced it firsthand through his eyes. And yeah, he would. He, my dad wasn't a complainer, so he was. He was a pretty, you know, he he was a pretty easygoing person. He loved life. Yeah, he didn't complain about it, but he he made me aware of it. Yeah. You know? I think it was one of these things that hey, Jody, you're going to be out there and you're going to you know try and make things go for yourself, whatever that means. You know, come to some modicum of success measured by whatever. Yeah. And in order to do that, you're going to find that you're probably at some point going to fight against you know who you are as a you know as a jewish man mm. okay i'll deal with it right and that was there like a brothership though like i think of because i think of abe jacobs are just um not really yeah. not that you know not that i not that i recollect i mean it wasn't like you know, it wasn't like all the jews gathered together you, you gotta know? stay together right <laughs> okay uh okay so you move when you're jewish dressing t- yeah <laughs> there's a jewish dressing room and no you're two doors down right. that's the jews are down two doors down. yes and there's a mezuzah on the door <laughs> yeah. right yeah. don't forget the shows are ad free on patreon but right now we'll take a break and we'll be right back judy was boring hello then judy discovered chumbacasino.com it's my little escape now judy's the life of the party oh baby mama's bringing home the bacon whoa take it easy judy the chumba life is for everybody so go to chumbacasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary void were prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli i guess aha in my dentist's office more than once actually do i have to say yes you do in the car before my kids pta meeting really yes excuse me what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky i never win and tell well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So you moved it when you're, when you're 12 to Florida. I guess maybe let's talk about your galloping into the industry, but it's like you you were one of these kids who was probably in it since you were a child, right? Yeah. It, you know, the, one, the one thing that I'd say about my dad, he, my dad made things available. Didn't push didn't persuade, didn't 
course, none of that stuff. Uh, definitely not at a level that was, um, you know, like a stage mom or something like that. Mm-hmm. It was, hey, this is what I do for a living. You know, if you if you like it, and I'm not going to tell you whether to like it or not to like it, but if you do end up liking it and you want to do something, I'll try to help you if I can. Um, and, my, you know, my dad ran a lot of independent stuff at some point in his life. So, you know, he obviously booked my brother and I on his shows before my brother ended up really doing well here in the States. I, I picked up in Japan mostly because of Carl and my dad's, um, my dad's connections. And when, I mean, very early you said, I, I never did this for a full-time living. Yeah. Was that... I don't know. Like, was that a, a conscious? Oh, it was, but it was by design. By design. That's yeah. what I'm asking. I, I was take me through that. I was almost. Process. I was all, You know, at times I was almost prideful about the fact that I. And this is gonna sound terrible. I'm almost, you know, almost like uppity. But I, I was one of the guys that used the business instead of being used by the business. And for a lot of guys, it's being used and spit out by the business. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I always wanted to make sure that whatever happened in the ring, I had something to fall back on. My dad. My dad. Just, I almost said he drove that home with me. He really didn't, you know, it's not like he drove it home, but he, he, through everything he did, he, he helped me to understand. And I guess, I guess I watched him too. And I knew that my dad had nothing to fall back on. And so I just figured, okay, well, I better, I better make sure, I better make sure something is there. And so, yeah, I went to college, I went to pharmacy school, got my pharmacy degree. I always dabbled in the wrestling business because. It was just fun. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, in pharmacy, no matter what you're doing, whether or not you're working a, you're working a hospital job, or you're working for the pharmaceutical industry, or you're working in community-based practice setting or something along those lines. I'm an oncology pharmacist, so I, I've played in the area of cancer care for 30 years. But you know, at, at no point in your time as, as a pharmacist, and no point in your career as a pharmacist, you ever have. You know, 60, 70,000 people chanting your name. <laughs> <laughs> right. Or do you ever go, wow, this is a lot of fun. Yeah. And yeah, and if you show up at the pharmacy in a pair of tights, yeah. greased up. <laughs> uh, okay. So what, what, what age was your first match? In my head, it was 14. <laughs> well, I mean, I played around, at, you know, I played around at a young age, but my first real match, probably, uh, probably 18. Okay. 18, 19. And what were the steps? Was it like dad teach me or uh carl teach me for x amount of weeks or like nah. you had to have known how to do this stuff or maybe yeah. not i don't know No, i did i you know like i didn't i didn't have the i didn't have the finer points um pulled together yet but i i had the basic mechanics of how to work a match and at least i could go in and out of holds and mm-hmm. you know, that was that was pretty easy and it was it was really only later on in life by you know then understanding what i needed to do in the ring I could then talk to my dad and other people and go, okay, so how do you, how do you really have a match out of this? You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you can you can go through the paces or you can have a match that that takes a house down, right? <laughs> you know, and they're two different things. And who was the first one to like really to explain that to you? Um, my dad, yeah, yeah, my dad, my dad. It's hard to talk about your dad in such glowing terms because he's your dad, and people go, well, he's your dad, but it's beyond that. My dad had. If he wasn't my dad, I would still say this. He he had an amazing ring psychology, and and again, this is one of those stories. So, um, you're not getting this new. <laughs> so Fort Homer Hesley Armory, my dad's in the ring. So first first off, Tony Charles and Billy Robinson, two you know, British men, two British men who had a well. Tony wasn't British. He was from. He was a Welshman. <laughs> my apologies. <laughs> Only to Tony. Um, so they they had a. Uh, they had an amazing match. I mean, they pulled out all the stops and they did all the gimmicks, and it was, it was, it was great to watch. For me, 
because I enjoyed I enjoyed what they did because I know I knew what it take for them I knew what it took for them to do that. Mm-hmm. But the rest of the crowd at Fort Homer Hesley Armory mm. um, didn't get off their hands. <laughs> and for the listener, oh, I mean, it's very like technical. They put on yeah, they put on a British. Typical, they yeah. put on a typical British technical show. Yeah, and and they were amazing. Yeah, I mean, they were course. great. And and even you know even their you know their English style you know their English style uppercuts and stuff like that. It looked like you tear your head off. And Tony Charles had a drop kick that was amazing. I mean, these guys. They were they were great hands, but it was a typical style, and it was a lot of back and forth. It was just it was just too much for the crowd, and the crowd really couldn't pull the psychology from what they were doing. It just it didn't it didn't tell any story. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just a it was just a lot of athleticism, mm-hmm. like a lot of stuff today is. <laughs> <laughs> so so, you know, I'm watching this, and Tony and Billy get done, and they get upstairs. And my dad's now down, and Tony comes, and I'm standing at the top of the railing in Fort Homer Ashley Armory by the dressing room. You'd have to know the place. What's what uh, state? Oh, this is Florida. Tampa, Florida. Okay. Yeah, they used to call it the Madison Square Garden of the South. So oh, the, the, Of this armory? The armory. Oh, this is Florida Championship Wrestling. Florida, Florida. Championship Wrestling. Gotcha. Um, this was probably mid-70s or right as I was. So 74. I graduated high school in 74. So probably sometime around that. Because my dad came in, I think, just for a couple shots toward the end of his career there because um, he was up in the Carolinas. So he comes in, Tony Charles and Billy Robinson get done. Tony comes up through the dressing room. He stands next to me on the on the balcony. We're overlooking the ring, and my dad gets in the ring. You can just, My dad starts out slow, and I forget who he was in with. It really didn't matter at the time. He could have been in with a broom, you know, the proverbial broomstick, right? And he's doing his thing, and you can just feel the crowd. You know, just you can just feel the pulse of the crowd. And all of a sudden, you know, you, you, you feel the heat gathering, and my dad just did two fingers in the eye, and the place erupted. I mean, you would have thought, you would have thought that my dad just did this spot that was like amazing, right. and he just did the old, you know, three stooges, two fingers in the eye, because he was known for that. It was his, it was, it was a silly gimmick. In fact, Luthez used to make fun of him for his silliness. Um, and Tony, Tony Charles would stand next to me. He looks over at me because he didn't see it. And he's looking at me like this. He's, he's like, what, what do you do? What right? crazy thing did he, he do, he's right? He's like, what do you do? And I said, well, he did, he did this. <laughs> you just, and you just see him trying to process this. And his mind, and you know, you can tell that he was thinking to himself, I just went out there and <clears> destroyed <throat> my body for 20 minutes, did everything that I could ever possibly do in a ring, and this guy does two fingers in the eye, and he took the house down. He brought the house down. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, I, and my thing after that was, it wasn't just that he did that. It was when he did it. He didn't do it one second too early. He didn't do it one second too late. You know, it, it was his timing, man. He just, knew, he just knew when he had to do something to make that crowd pop. And you couldn't hear yourself think in that place at times. And he was good at that. Yeah. Uh, and, and you really, you know, there's a level of that that you can't teach. You can get to a certain point, but, you, you know, there's, there's only so many guys that have that kind of timing where they just know... They have that sense of the crowd, mm-hmm. and it's years of years of years of matches, yeah, yeah. and things. And your dad, or a little in- bit of luck. You know, I've had I've had a couple matches like that in my life that just kind of popped up, <laughs> and yeah, and after the match, you're like, "Holy crap, that <laughs> felt really good." Yeah, that was a good match. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Uh, okay, so the first match was just on an independent. I don't even remember where it was. I mean, I, it, it wasn't for all Japan. Oh, no, wrestling. no, 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 I wasn't. Yeah, it was Madison Square Garden. <laughs> yeah, uh, pr- probably, yeah, probably on the outskirts of Tampa somewhere. Just a random, okay. Yeah. But your trajectory is Japan, I think. 
that's where I did that's where I did most of my stuff, whatever yeah. my stuff was. Okay. Yeah. Mostly Japan. Okay. I did you know, I did I did a show for WCW, I did a couple things there, a couple things for WWE at the time, but I, I think I wrestled the dark match for WWE and did I forget even what I did. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, that memorable. And then, and then we had yeah, I had a very non memorable um US career. And then, you know, then again we had independent productions one was called global wrestling alliance which ran out of miami south florida it was actually a it was actually a penny stock at the time and then we uh you had don curtis and louis tillette um ran ran a promotion out of jacksonville for a while um we had tv up there so you know we we had tv a few times smaller promotions never really got anywhere it was so hard especially in the days of the territory right before you know the explosion of vince yeah. and crew and, and turner would you you couldn't com you couldn't compete against the guys who owned the territories. Would you travel with your dad to these shows? Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, or is it UWFI or UWF when you UWF? Was that like your? That was my intro into Japan. Right, and so like, how long did it take to get to there? Well, to out to LA was about eight four four or five hours, and then from LA to. <laughs> thank you, thank you. <laughs> Beautiful, well done. Man, I don't know. Probably. Uh... When did I go for the first time? Eighty three, maybe to Japan. I don't know. It probably took me six or seven years before I. So you made were my oh, you were Japan. doing little shows and little. Yeah, I was just doing TV. little odds and ends. Gotcha. Yeah. Which made, but we which, were also you know keep in mind probably the greatest if if the Malenko, if the Malenko family has a legacy besides you know having matches and some of the matches being pretty damn good. We trained a lot of guys. That's I mean, cool. We were yeah. You know, we had the school. Um, we placed a lot of guys. I I lose track of. Some of the boys that we got into the business, both well, WCW, WWE, guys who went out to you know major promotions around the country when the you know when the uh, regional efforts were still running strong and did well. Um, so t so tell me, like if you're if you said it, if from eighteen to twenty four you were doing that, but you were doing the school, like how would how would it work? Like you go to you go to college, you come home, you help train, you're there, you're watching. People. I, I would I would get there as much as I could. You know, my dad really well, where ran was the school. Well, we had in different places. We had uh, we had in the back of a judo place in Tampa called Ed Malley's Florida Judo. Then we had a building out in uh, Sefner or something, one of the rural areas of... Is that your real last name? Who what? Sefner? <laughs> My real last name is Sirkin. Sirkin, that's it. Sirkin, yeah. yeah. Then we had like a in, a... in a field behind some guy's house. Um, he was a pipe fabricator, but he let us use this warehouse that he had behind his house. So we... Uh, we wrestled out of the warehouse and then uh, warehouse, their house. It's um, <laughs> young Frankenstein. And then, uh, <laughs> and then, um, well, Brooks was Jewish too. I've never seen it. Don't yell at me. Are you seriously? Yeah. Oh I've my just never God. Seen you need it. to be. I know. Being with a matzo bry or something. I'm aware. Um, so, and then we got a little place. We, we actually wrestled out of a mattress factory, Florida mattress. For a while, we with uh, Wally von Stroheim. My dad got Wally to let us open the place and go in there. We wrestled out of there for a while, and then we wrestled in an industrial park, Dabs Industrial Park. And at this time, you know, you hear the stories. It's like maybe the Monster Factory in like the mid '80s was the first one to like publicize, like we'll teach you the business. Um, so it's always weird to hear about wrestling store, like wrestling schools, kind of like seventies and eight, like early eighties. Not exposed, but like you know, like there there wasn't like an actual 
Well, to my knowledge, like these like mass schools, I guess. No, I mean they didn't have the you know they didn't have. So first of all, I mean, you know, WCW, w, you know, WCW the power plan, you know, WWE had uh, you know the championship wrestling Florida deal with Steve with Curran at the time, yeah. who took over a lot of our guys when my dad and my brother closed up shop. Because getting back to our school, my dad and my brother really ran. I would show up, work out, teach a little bit, you know, play some games, and then get the hell out of there. We were, we were, I mean, we were, we were one of the few schools. First of all, my dad barely charged people. And a lot really? of times, yeah, he was ter- he was a terrible businessman. Yeah, in my was, head, it's like a racket. Like he's like, no, it wasn't. But for my dad, it was it was yeah. anything but. I mean, he just he just loved the business, and it was sad because he probably could have done fairly well right. because he had the. You know, he had the pedigree and he had the uh, he had the results of guys who went and did pretty well. You know, the Canes of the world and the Mark Miros and the Tugboats and I mean, the list goes on. You know, Gangrel and a bunch of guys who came out of school who did okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so he could have played off of that and he probably could have milked the hell out of guys who came in. He just didn't do that. Well, I always laugh with you know, you know Norman Smiley. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Norman, one of the greatest guys around, man. Norman's an awesome guy. Yeah. Um, you know, Tra- we, trained me in the, a little bit in the yeah, WWE system. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we trained, you know, we trained Norman. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I think Norman, I think Norman's fee to my dad was like 700 bucks. And he came, I may be, I may be wrong about this, but I don't think I am. And if Norman ever corrects me, I'll say, okay. Yeah. But yeah, I think, I think his fee was like 700 bucks or something like that to, to start or, you know, for however many weeks. And then he came to my dad later on. He says, Hey, Larry, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a little short. And my dad said, ah, you know, sort of don't worry about it. And, I don't think I don't think Norman ever paid him back anything. It was funny at, a, at an event one time. I said, "Hey, Norman, my dad before he passed away said, get that son of a bitch's money from him." <laughs> <laughs> the last thing. That <laughs> the last thing. Yeah. If it's the last thing you ever do, you need to collect the money from right. Norman. Yeah, but that that was who he was, man. He just he he didn't he didn't care about this stuff. He wasn't the guy. He wasn't the guy to hit you for two thousand dollars, tell you that you were going to be a superstar, and then uh, you know two weeks later you were looking for him. <laughs> right. Which there's a lot. So there's many. There's a lot stories. of stuff that goes yeah. on. Like that, so guys, and guys, and guys who never did anything themselves, who open up a school and say, "I'm going to make you something," and right. you know, uh, when there's opportunity, that that's when they come out, yeah, right? Yeah, it's, it's it sucks. Don't forget the shows are ad free over on Patreon. But right now, we'll take a quick break, and then we'll be right back. Lucky Land Casino asking people, "What's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?" Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. 
change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash aware. When I think about you, like the most notorious thing for me is kind of watching the, the Malenko brothers in all Japan. Um, so I, I guess maybe you can help me tell, like getting there and, and tagging with your brother. Yeah, I mean, we... Uh, and don't yeah. tell me to L.A. Yeah, <laughs> my jokes only fly one time. Well, one time per, per podcast. So, uh, yeah, Lord Blair's was in Hawaii. And I think... I think Mark Carl... I think Carl made the connection with Lord Blair's at the time for me. But it was for my brother as well. And so Lord Blair's got us booked the first time. And then, uh, yeah, there, I mean, we just started going. Things kind of clicked. You know, the nice thing about... The nice thing about Baba was he recognized before the states recognized that he could get a lot out of his junior heavyweights, you know, that he could get a lot out of his smaller guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of that was due to the fact that a lot of the Japanese boys were smaller guys, but they were just phenomenal performers. I mean, I, I, I loved working over there because I never, you know, with the exception of a couple of the guy gene, I never got in the ring with a guy who I looked at and went, wow, what a slacker, you know, he, who's, who's just holding back and not giving you everything he needs to give to make a match happen mm-hmm. um so it was it was it was a great place to be and baba you know baba was just good about cultivating that and he you know if you if you worked if you worked hard for him he'd take care of you and he you know he took us up and pay and rewarded us you know we were never going to be we were never going to be at the level of the road warriors or the stan hansons of the world but you know he took care of us and brought us back and we had you know, we had the opportunity to pretty much within reason call our shots as to how much we wanted to be there i was restricted because i was a pharmacist <laughs> yeah t- so tell me about like what year gaps were you there or what what do you think like 88 to something something <laughs> well I, start, I, I think i started so i started with uwf in 83 if i'm not again that famous if i'm not mistaken phrase yeah um Everything else is a blur. <laughs> I mean, I know, I know. The like towards the late '80s, I was going pretty strong with all uh, with all Japan. You were go- I'm doing a bunch of tours, right? Yeah, yeah, I was doing a bunch of tours. Yeah. So how- and then my brother kind of pulled away for a while because he started here in the states, and so I ended up going and doing my own thing. I was tagged up with you know Kobashi, who became pretty special. Who became yeah. Kobashi? Who yeah. became Kobashi? <laughs> yeah. Um, Shamrock Ken was my tag partner, and that was a fun experience. <laughs> <laughs> How are you taking off of what do you, because correct me if I'm wrong, like your vision is like, I got to make sure I have this job to go back to. Right. Yeah. So what, what, tell me about your thoughts as a, as that kind of the struggle, that kind of struggle of thinking. You know, as all I can say, it, it was a blur, man. I look back and I think if I add all the things up that I was doing at the time, looking back, you know, hindsight, if I, if I add all the things up, it was more than 24 hour day and it, Took up more time than it than is than was available on a clock. Did you? So have, I, I'm not sure how the hell. Did I you have did. a pharmacy job? Yeah. And you said I need three weeks off every seven weeks. <laughs> no, I would just I would just get time off. Yeah. You know, the the neat thing about so here's the neat thing about pro wrestling. It's a novelty. There's not a lot of pro wrestlers out there, and there's not a lot of pro wrestlers. You know, there's a lot. I run into guys who say, "Yeah, my uh, my cousin was a pro wrestler. What's his name? Yeah, the masked uh, mm-hmm. you know the masked assassin." Oh, that messed assassin, the guy in you know, so, yeah, the guy in some small town in Minnesota. They're a diamond does, but guys who really do it and who can talk about it and who've had a chance to work in the ring with some, you know, some big, some big guys. That's a novelty. So the people that I worked for and the people that I deal dealt with back then and even today, 
um, I'll be doing business deals, and I'll you know people will say so. I heard you wrestle. And I'll say, yeah, here's what I did. And they're like, oh, my God. And then they'll check on the Internet. And they're like, I can't believe I was dealing with yeah. a I was just dealing with a company in Belfast. They're an informatics company. They deal in they deal in data coming out of labs off of these molecular tests off of off of tumors. Um, and here I am talking with these people, you know, these highbrow folks. And the guy said something about wrestling. And before you know it, it the whole conversation was about wrestling because <laughs> it's a novelty. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I get bored. And, you know, think, oh, my God, we're talking wrestling again. But it serves a purpose. It's gotten me the opportunity to do a bunch of other stuff. And it gets me, sometimes it even gets me business deals because yeah. it's, I'm the guy who's a wrestler. Well, and also you're, you're not masked assassin number seven. No. They, they see a clip of you at Budokan, right, or whatever it is, yeah. which is pretty. Yeah. Uh, well, and then uh, my, bro- look, my brother, had, my brother had a lot of notoriety. He was a phenomenal hand in the ring. If they have no clue on God's green earth who the hell I was, most people, most because I'll say Malenko to somebody, and they'll say Dean Malenko. They know the family. Name. Again, my favorite, my favorite, my favorite story is I'm at uh, a fan fest in Charlotte. I was brought in because they were giving my dad an award um, as part of the mid um, mid uh, mid Atlantic Championship Wrestling deal back in the day. So they bring me in. I'm talking to Paul Orndorff, and uh, Paul's talking to me, and some fans see me talking to him, and then I go to get on the elevators the elevator with these fans and they're like oh do you know him do you know Paul and I said yeah you know we used to we used to know each other in Tampa pretty well you know when he was wrestling I was wrestling and stuff and they went you wrestle and I said yeah and I said Malenko and they look and they go Dean Malenko and I said no Joe and they went oh and then they turned around <laughs> and they started talking I swear, oh. to God. I swear to God but I I mean you know was I a little, was I a little bit hurt maybe yeah, yeah, yeah. but I was also laughing I mean because I I, I knew my place. I know my place. My brother had a hell of a career, and he was probably one of the best technicians ever. Even Jerry Jerry Briscoe one time just walked up to me out of the blue and said, I just want to let you know that of all the people who I ever considered you know, the technical guys, your brother may have been the best. I'm like, damn. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you're not too shabby yourself, no, thank though. You. Yes, thank for you. sure. Uh, and, the, and, I, and I guess those tours, years of tours of all Japan, who, was, who were you hanging out with? And I, I don't know if it's like describe like because I have my experiences of J- of Japan of Japanese tours and and I'm a romantic like that like when I when I tour Japan I, I always think like these are the this is what the ones before me did or England like this is the you know I used to do those Butland camps if you remember those mm-hmm. and like I'd be like you know the ones before me did this and there's something that always sticks with me and I feel like I'm doing the job and I am a wrestler and so. You know, I, I and I like to be in the moment of when I'm doing those. So, as you're touring with all Japan, which is huge at the time, like who are you with? Who are you hanging out with? And then also, like, how are you taking in these experiences? So, when, when my brother was there, my brother and I spent a lot of time together. Mm. Um, Doug Furness was probably my, arguably, maybe my best friend mm. overseas. So we we spent a lot of time. I I would train with him because he was just you know he was a freaking beast, yeah. man. Um, you train Doug. You train legs with Doug Furness. You train legs. <laughs> no, no ifs, ands, or buts. Well, the only buts are your butts to the ground because yes. you don't you don't squat halfway down <laughs> when you squat with Doug Furness. Uh, and then um, Stan Hansen. I got to be. Uh, I like him. He's just a he's just a good guy. And so you know, I would hang around, I would hang around him a lot because the great thing about hanging with Stan, especially if you're going out with him at night is all you had to do was hang back and just walk behind him because he was a bull in a china shop, and he would just <laughs> go through the entire city. It was almost like Godzilla. Oh, stand here, stand, stand. Yeah. <laughs> Run, everybody. And oh, really? Japanese, yeah. He was just, 
and he just builds his way through the whole city, and you just walk behind him and laugh your ass off. But also, like, right, a monster in the ring, but seemed like a sweet man. No, he's, yes. he's a great guy. Great attitude. Great yeah, I was going to say, not a, you tell me, probably not an egomaniac, or I don't no, know. No, no, but, but... Knew that he was good. But knew that he was good. Yeah. I mean, definitely knows... He definitely knew that he was top dog over there. Cool. No, no way <laughs> No, no, no questions asked. Yeah, yeah. he knew he, he he knew who he was. I, and I I did have a question about Baba because it's uh, I don't know as an American who just like you know you I don't know you hear Baba and Oki like you hear these things um, like who, who was he a nice man like who was he was do you have experiences I, I mean, you must I, have had experiences with so him. I had I had you know I had minimal direct interactions with him okay Baba just you know if look if you were Stan or if you were, you were the Road Warriors or maybe you were Abby Abdullah uh, um, <laughs> that's those are stories for another podcast. Yeah, if you if you were any of those guys, you probably got more Baba time. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> oh my it's a good it's a, it's a rap song. Yeah, <laughs> I, know, I see some guy in big big parachute yeah, pants. Of course. <laughs> it's Baba time. <laughs> uh, but it, it, I think it's like an old grandpa <laughs> with giant yeah parachute pants. Okay, but he um he was Baba. You know, he was he was a giant. Um. Yeah, you know, I had my moments where you know he would talk to me about, and just briefly, you know, I, you know, he's had that deep voice, and he'd just call you over and you know, ask you what you wanted to do if you, you know, you wanted to, you know, he'd talk to you a little bit about money, or maybe talk to you about how many more tours, or you know, what what you want to come over for the year or something, if you were lucky enough. And we had, you know, we had that kind of mid mid tier space where we could talk to him about money and and time in Japan. Okay. Um, and this was sort of right about the time my brother was leaving and doing back here in the States. So, I mean, I know he was larger than life, but like, did you see him that way? Or were you like intimidated or anything? No, or, no, no, not at all. No, he was, no, he was just, he was a fixture, you know? I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't intimidating. He didn't try to be intimidating. He was just a, he was just a big, he was just a big, big man. Okay. Um, he even went so far one time. So Kobashi and, um, this kid Kukuchi. Yeah. I know um, yeah. Kobashi and Kukuchi, they wanted to, they were they were up and comers, you know. They wanted to push them. So Baba flew my brother and I to to um, Honolulu, and so we stayed in Hawaii and we had a week long Malenko school in Hawaii, and we just trained Kobashi and Kakuchi. So we spent a lot of time gotcha. when we were there with Baba and those guys and a couple of other his you know, his uh, his underlings. Yeah, um, that's the most time I ever spent with Baba directly. And now when you talk about that, like, are you like? Oh, wrestling's the best. I did. I went to Hawaii for a week. Or is that just one of like so many memories in your head? <laughs> I'm pretty. I'm pretty good about stopping, you know, smelling the roses, sort of thing. I I I realized and recognized at every juncture that I was pretty lucky to be where I was and to experience what I was experiencing and to see what I mean. Even look, we we travel up the coast and Mount Fuji would be sitting there in the you know in the distance, but not so distant that you couldn't see it, and you right. just. You just sit there and you go, holy crap, that's freaking gorgeous, you know. Or you'd be driving up into into Hokkaido and Sapporo, and you know the snow would be falling down and just the most beautiful landscapes. And I mean, and they just you know, people just treated you so well, you know. They they just they were they were kind and they were friendly and they were um, you know they were appreciative of you as an athlete. They didn't you know no no at no time did you ever get oh you know that stuff's fake or they just. You were a sportsman, and they treated you like that. Even though it was professional wrestling, you were no different than, you know, one of their sumo guys. Um, mm. It was it was pretty amazing stuff. And you would go out, and they would, you know, you know, you, they called it service, right? You, would, you know, people would people would take care of you. 
and um, and they were just so appreciative just to be with you somewhere and the sponsors yeah, yeah the sponsors yeah, 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 yeah. where they provide for you and right hey the shows are ad free on patreon this will be our last break stick with us and we'll be right back hello it is ryan and i was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com i looked over at the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing they were also playing chumba casino coincidence i think not everybody's loving having fun with it chumba casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. As you, it's not like you sl- slowed down because you always had this plan of like, I'm in pharmacy. Uh, but was there a point of realization of just like, well, this is kind of winding down. I'm going to go back to, I'll be, I'll be the pharmacy guy. I, I think it's, um, so it's a, two-pronged deal one is just the nature of trying to succeed in this world and make serious money and do really well and my that wasn't you know the wrestling world wasn't my place I wasn't that wasn't going to happen I wasn't 6'6 I wasn't 280 I didn't have I didn't have the two I wasn't gifted the tools to be the superstar you know I was gifted some other stuff to be where I was at and I was okay with that so if I was going to do anything special, it was going to be outside of the wrestling business. But then the other prong, <laughs> which is a more hurtful one, your body just starts not being able to do what it did. Mm. Uh, you, I mean, I don't care who you are. It, it, it's inevitable, right? Um, no. You, you may, you may, <laughs> no, it's you, not. <laughs> not for Ric Flair. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe not for Ric Flair. But, you know, I mean, and we all, we all have one more match. I mean, in my head, I could get out there and wrestle again. And then... If I go out there and I do that and I go to take a bump, I, I embarrass myself. I did I, I did a couple matches not too long ago. Mm. Um, I'm 66 now, so this would have been you know, four or five years ago. I'm in the ring and yeah, I, I'm taking a bump, but I'm taking it and I'm going down in sections. <laughs> you know where where I used to just I mean I used to splatter. I didn't take a bump. I didn't take a bump as good as some of the Japanese kids who just used to. I used to say they splattered because they went down so fast and hit the canvas so hard. And it, it just got this amazing pop when they went down. It was just, it was so quick. And it's just, I, I love that. Uh, I think it was um, Terry Gordy's cousin, Richard Slater. Okay, yes. Slatic, Richard Slatic. Yeah, he was a Noah yeah. guy, but all Japan before that. I think, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I mean, man, you'd come off the ropes and you'd hit him, hit him with tackle. And unbelievable. I mean, he just, bam, just yeah. right down and so fast. You're like, holy crap. Yeah, when you say that, I picture like different coaches being like attack the mat. That's what I hear. Yeah, attack the mat. Yeah, yeah. and that yeah. sounds familiar. Well, but I mean, that's so you couldn't do that at uh, sixty-two. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't do that at sixty-two. I definitely can't do it now. No, yeah. I, I know I can. Your mind tells you you can, right? I mean, ter- you know, uh, Dory Funk still comes over to Japan and right. uh, you know gets in the ring. Yeah. Um, I don't want to do that though. Yeah. Two two things for me, and and I really. I really hit heavy on this when I was a kid to myself because I saw, I saw people trying to hang on too long. Mm-hmm. I said, I'm not going to do that because I'm not going to embarrass myself. I'm not, you know, if, if I can't have a decent match, I'm, I'm not going to do it. And I've actually gone against that because I probably should have stayed out of the ring the last time I was in the ring. But, but the second thing is, it's just hanging around the business. I don't, you know, people say, hey, you did you watch this? Have you, you know, did you go to Raw? It was in town last night. Or, I'm like, no. I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be that guy who... 
you know, is hanging outside of a dressing room. And, hey, you know, how you doing? Oh, right. Hey, uh, you used to wrestle, right? Yeah. 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 I get it. For I'd, sure. Yeah. I just, I thought that was, that always made me, it just always made me sad when I was a younger kid. And I would watch some of the quote unquote old timers hang around still. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's great that you were at the Iowa Hall of Fame, the National Wrestling Hall of Fame. So, like, what's inspired you to come here, I guess? I came here last year. Jerry Briscoe told me about it. I mean, a few people told me about mm-hmm. it. But Jerry, Jerry said, hey, you need to go. And I said, okay. And I came up here, and I, I had a good time. I Hello. spent some time. Uh, number one, Jerry and I have a history. He's considerably older, and I'll remind him of that every day. <laughs> but, you know, we have a history that goes back to the early 70s. So you know, we're talking 50 years worth of knowing each other. When we were kids, he was an older kid, but when we were kids, I didn't like him, <laughs> and he didn't like me. And we talked about that all the time. Well, we just we didn't like each other. We were, we were both jerks, um, to put it nicely. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, as you get older and you start talking and, yeah, now he's... <laughs> you realize you have a lot in common. Yeah, we, we have a lot in common. You know, <laughs> yeah. Our history is a lot of the same stuff, just growing up in Tampa. And, you know, his brother, Jack, was phenomenal. He was... Jack was a sweetheart. Mm. And, you know, I knew him real well through my dad. And um, so Jerry and I have become pretty good friends. And when he came up here the first time last, well, it wasn't his first time. But when he came up last year, he said, hey, you know, you need to come up to this thing. This thing's pretty good. Oh, fun. And then, you know, then I got here and it was nice to see some of the people I hadn't seen for a while. Yeah, that's great. Okay. And and Dan Gable was like this you know, mega hero of mine back in the early 70s when he, you know, when he took gold in uh, 72. And um, I had a chance to. Which was a, which was an awkward meeting because I'm looking at him going, hey, um, you know, you're like right. a hero. I was like a hero. You're you're a hero of mine. I was a hero of yours. Well, somebody was a hero of somebody. <laughs> and and he's looking at me going, oh, that's nice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I need to go now. <laughs> and at that age, like at your age, you don't. Maybe you're like, well, my days of feeling these feelings are probably behind me, right? And then boom, here you are, no, like being yeah. nervous to a man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was Dan Gable. Uh, I appreciate you coming on. This oh, was no so problem. nice to talk to you. Parting words? Stay out of the wrestling business. Stay out of the done. <laughs> My or go to, a good, go to a good school. Okay. Don't spend $2,000 to get nowhere. Are you still? If you want to do that, send me $2,000. Are you still pimping the Malenko school? <laughs> You're starting a new one, but just... Uh... Yeah, it's a post office box. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> When I asked Joe what he'd like me to plug, he told me to convince someone to start a GoFundMe for him so he can retire. But I would say maybe donate to cancer research so cancer can be cured and then he'll be out of a job and forced to retire. How about that? We got another show next week, but before we leave, I do have some plugs and upcoming events. My Patreon, patreon.com slash is where you can listen to ad-free archives of almost 500 episodes of The Art of Wrestling, ad-free archives of Wrestling Anonymous, and new bonus Wrestling Anonymous episodes just for the Patreon twice a month. Last month was with Chris Cubis. This month was with Ian Riccoboni, and we listened to calls, and we gave our thoughts. For different tiers, I'll also send you a vinyl sticker every month, and I will handwrite your envelope, and I will give you a very fun nickname. Check out older episodes of Wrestling Anonymous and Pro Wrestling Fringe 
New ones do pop up time to time, just like the art of wrestling. Go grab some merch, coltmerch.com. Brand new Upper Deck signed cards, a brand new comic book signed by me and Daniel Warren Johnson. I got new autograph pictures up there, leftover stickers from the Patreon, micro brawlers, they'll be gone soon. The usual fun, it's all up there. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube, that's all at Cole Cabana. I'm on Twitch all the time playing games. I just started Fortnite. Twitch.tv slash Cole Cabana. Coltwrestling at gmail.com is my very public email. That's where you can hit me up for shows, conventions, or any business or non-business stuff. Send me something fun to my P.O. Box, which can be found at the bottom of my website, ColtCabana.com. Upcoming events. This week, I'll be at the Gathering of the Juggalos. Tuesday, August 9th, Championship Wrestling in Irvine, California. Of course, the 19th through the 21st at the Monkey Barrel in Edinburgh, Scotland, Come see me and John Hastings at the Edinburgh Fringe. Saturday, September 3rd, I'll be in Mesa, Arizona for Party Hard Wrestling's final show. September 10th, I'll be at the Mall of America for First Wrestling Saturday Nitro. And October 1st, I head back to 1PW, the Doncaster Dome, where I will team up with my buddy, Mr. Burridge, and we will become Team Shag once again. Podcast cover art designed by Jimmy Lee, photo by James Musselwhite. Thanks to our forever sponsor, OneHourTees.com. They help run ProWrestlingTees.com. That's where you can buy all of my shirts and cameo-style video messages called Shoots right over at ProWrestlingTees.com slash Colt Cabana. We'll be back next week with a wild live show, and then we got shows in September and October. Stay subscribed. The podcast was never gone, and it's not going anywhere anytime soon. As long as I can sit down with some people that I think are super interesting, the show will go on. This has been The Art of Wrestling. For Colt Cabana, I'm Colt Cabana. Thanks. (laughs) That was my guess. Maybe maybe you need to back off a little bit. Uh, There you Um, go. Very easy, just chit-chatting. Say hello. Tell me what you had for breakfast this morning. Let's hear your levels. What do you think I had for breakfast this morning? Um, what am I? I'm a Jew. What did I have for breakfast? Locks and bagels? Well, I didn't have locks, but I did have a bagel. <laughs> what kind I was of bagel? A kid, when I was a kid, my dad would sing, bagels, bagels, two for five. That's what keeps us Jews alive. <laughs> can, can, can I keep that as the start of this whole thing? You can if you want. All right, great. Bagels, bagels, two for five. That's what keeps us Jews alive. Ooh, ooh, ooh.